Hello, this is Pastor Bob Gray. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast here at Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. I trust the services will be a blessing to you. If I can do anything for you, please let me know. You can find our information on the website at ebclongview.com. Let's go right into the services of Emmanuel Baptist Church. Enjoy God's Word. If we can take our Bibles and go to the book of Luke chapter 17. Luke 17 is where we're going to begin. And then we're going to take the truth that is found in Luke 17 and we're going to transition back to the Old Testament with a story. I love how the Lord, uh, the eternal author of the Bible you have in your hand, how that he uh, took the New Testament and he gave us these uh, spiritual principles to live by. And then he kind of gives us an Old Testament story. And uh, Luke chapter 17, and uh, if you have a red letter edition Bible, you're going to notice that these uh, words are in red. So our Lord is speaking to his disciples, and he begins this discourse in verse number 22. And uh, then he kind of comes all the way down, and he speaks to his disciples by pulling an Old Testament story. We're not going to reference this particular story. In verse 32, remember Lot's wife. And the reason he says this is verse 33, Luke 17, verse 33. Let's read it together out loud. Ready? Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. He said, remember Lot's wife. Then he says, if you're going to try to hang on to your life, if you're going to try to make this life all about you, then get ready, you're going to lose it. That life also includes the life around you. If you're trying to hang on to you as a person, then everything that you have around you, you're going to lose. But if you realize this life is not yours, this life belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ, and we are to live it according to His way, not our way. I have made up my mind on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, this overwhelming desire not to waste one sermon. I don't know what life holds. I don't know when the Lord's coming back. I don't know what we're going to face. But I do know this, that the the truths in God's Word is just so timeless that we can apply it to our lives. And let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your Word. Thank you for the 66 books you have given us. Thank you, dear Heavenly Father, that we can rely upon and that we do not come to church to hear something new but we come to church to be reminded of a truth that has been pinned forever and it started as it was settled in heaven and now it's passed down to us. These are your words. This is your mind. This is your heart. This is your way. Lord, as long as we're on this earth trapped in the flesh, surrounded by darkness, we are pilgrims, we are strangers, and we're learning every single day how to combat the flesh and the will God, how to yield all of this to you. Bless this day. Watch over us, please. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. May be seated. When we try to hang on to our life, we'll lose it. But when we realize our life is not meant for our legacy, but it is meant for God, then we begin to see value in life, and we will be able to use who we are to help the people around us. I want you to go back, if you would, to the Old Testament. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 18. There is a story that illustrates this in 2 Samuel chapter number 18. 
And I'm going to read the first 18 verses, and you follow along if you will. 2 Samuel chapter number 18. And our title this morning will be found in two words throughout this reading, and I'll give them to you at the very end. 2 Samuel chapter 18 and verse number 1. This will put it in context. And David numbered the people that were with him and set captains of thousands and captains of hundreds over them. And David sent forth a third party of the people under the hand of Joab and a third party under the hand of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and a third part under the hand of Ittai, the Gittite, and the king said unto the people, I will surely go forth with you myself also. But the people answered, Thou shalt not go forth, for if we flee away, they will not care for us. Neither if half of us die will they care for us, but now thou art worth ten thousand of us. Therefore it is better that thou succor us out of the city. And the king said unto them, verse number four, What seemeth you best I will do? And the king stood by the gate side, and all the people came out by hundreds and by thousands. And the king commanded Joab and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Deal gently for my sake with the young man, even with Absalom. And all the people heard when the king gave the captain's charge concerning Absalom. Let me pause and just give you the context. They're chasing Absalom right now. Absalom before this, had reared his ugly head up in rebellion and sedition against the throne and against his father. And now they have divided into these three companies, and now they're going to do away with this traitor. They're going to do away with this one who sat in the gates to get the heart of the people. So this is the plan. Verse 6, so the people went out into the field against Israel, and the battle was in the wood of Ephraim. He's already given them charge that they, uh, that, that, that they would deal gently uh, with Absalom. It was never in the heart of David to kill Absalom, but he did need to down the rebellion. If you would look at verse 7. Where the people of Israel were slain before the servants of David, and there was a great slaughter that day of 20,000 men. For the battle was there scattered over the face of all the country, and the wood devoured more people that day than the sword devoured. And Absalom met the servants of David, and Absalom rode upon a mule. And the mule went under a thick bow of a great oak, and his head caught hold of the oak, and he was taken up between the heaven and the earth, and the mule that was under him went away. And a certain man saw it and told Joab and said, Behold, I saw Absalom hanged in, our, in, in an oak. And Joab said unto the man that told him, And behold, thou sawest him, and why didst thou not smite him there to the ground? And I would have given thee ten shekels of silver and a girdle. And the man said unto Joab, Though I should receive a thousand shekels of silver in mine hand, yet would I not put forth mine hand against the king's son. For in our hearing the king charged thee and Abishai and Ittai, saying, Beware that none touch the young man Absalom. Otherwise I should have wrought falsehood against mine own life. For there is no matter hid from the king, and thou thyself would have set thyself against me. Then said Joab, I may not tarry thus with thee. And he took three darts in his hand and thrust them through the heart of Absalom while he was yet alive in the midst of the oak. And the ten young men that bare Joab's armor compassed about and smote Absalom and slew him. And Joab blew the trumpet. And the people returned from pursuing after Israel, for Joab held back the people. 
And they took Absalom and cast him into a great pit in the wood and laid a great, very great heap of stone, stones upon him. And all Israel fled, every one to his tent. Now Absalom, the verse 18 is our text verse with two words that give prominence this morning. Now Absalom in his lifetime had taken and reared up for himself a pillar which is in the king's dale for he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. And he called the pillar after his own name and it is called unto this day, would you please read the last two words please, Absalom's place. This is what I'm going to preach on this morning, Absalom's place. We're going to explore a spiritual truth found in Luke chapter 17 that is immortalized in this story. The king's dale, this place was called Absalom's place. Absalom was the third son of David by one of his wives named Mekah. Absalom was known for his beauty. The Bible tells us that he had to pull or shave his head each year just because of the weight of the hair. The hair weighed 200 shekels or 12.5 pounds of hair. Absalom's beauty was about himself. 2 Samuel 13, Absalom had a sister named Tamar. Tamar was violated by her half-brother Amnon. Absalom brooded over this wicked act done by Amnon for two years. Finally, Absalom devised a plan to kill Amnon. He held a sheep-shearing feast for all the king's son with strict orders for his assistants to kill Amnon when, he, when they saw Amnon at the height of the feast. The feast was only a guise. It was only a ruse to, to, so that he could avenge the vile act done to Tamar by, under the guise of having a sacrifice. Everything in Absalom's life was about himself. Absalom was brought back to the kingdom, but was not allowed to see the king's face. During this time, Absalom sat in the gate and stole the heart of the people in his, of his father, David. He said, if I were king, he lived life with a hidden agenda because life had become all about Absalom. Another instance to bring this to light, Absalom asked to see Joab, his friend. Joab doesn't come in a timely fashion, so listen to what his friend did. His friend sets his field on fire to get his attention. He didn't respond to the text messages. He ignored the calls. They went to voicemail. So he set the field on fire. Newsflash, young people, there was no cell phone back then. Absalom led the people in a revolt against David. David flees the palace. Absalom assumes the throne. Absalom, in an act of defiance, commits immorality with the women of the palace and the sight of the people. Absalom's army is starting to lose, and in an attempt to flee, he passing through the grove of trees, his hair, that 12.5 pounds of hair, it gets caught in the limb of a tree, and there Absalom no longer has power over his movement except to flail his arms and his legs. And then the armies of David see him. They tell Joab about it. And then Joab says, why didn't you kill him? I find it very interesting. The soldier says, Joab, we know you. If we kill him, then you will turn on us. And so Joab goes back with three darts, and he strikes it through the heart of the king's son. The Bible tells us in verse number 18, now Absalom in his lifetime 
had taken and reared up for himself a pillar. Ladies and gentlemen, Absalom's life had been all about Absalom. Absalom's life had not been about anything else but himself. There are believers like us all across America, and some of them maybe even sit in this auditorium, that life has become all about you. All of a sudden, your life is full of mirrors. All of a sudden, your house is full of mirrors. All of a sudden, in your wallet is a picture all about you. Every step is all about you. And the saddest life to live is the life that everything we do is about us. If life becomes about us, then we will create the King's Dale and we will erect a statue of us. Life is not to be lived for you or for me. We cannot interpret everything of how does it please me. May I remind you and I, the day you and I got saved was the day we became part of another family and we became part of another cause and we became part. You lost your first name. You lost your last name when you and I trusted Jesus Christ and now our life is hid in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. What it's saying is, is I died with Christ on the cross but I'm still alive. But I live, not yet I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Could it be that life has become a shadow for believers? Not because Christ is not the light, but because life has become all about them. When we become self-absorbed and we interpret every next move by the people around us that it is because of us, then ladies and gentlemen, we have lost the reason for existence. When the beauty becomes about us, the revenge becomes about us, the palace becomes about us, the throne becomes about us, the prestige becomes about us, the followers becomes about us, then we violate Luke 17 when we don't lose our life. Absalom is nothing more, is nothing more than a mirror that the average believer looks into and says this, it's all about me. For Absalom, he had to keep his name alive. For Absalom, he, he, uh, he, he wanted not to be missed after he was gone. For Absalom, he wanted someone to remember him. For Absalom, he wanted to leave his mark upon humanity. For Absalom, he wanted to leave his place in history. You see, Absalom, according to the Bible, he had three sons. And for 2 Samuel 14, 27 tells us that he had three sons and one daughter. And his daughter he named after his sister Tamar. But obviously that his sons now are nowhere to be found. History records that his sons probably died at infancy and his wife probably died along with them only to be left with a daughter. And this is why he said in, in 2 Samuel 18, 18, that he had no son to keep his name in remembrance, no son to carry on Absalom. So because Absalom knew there was no son to carry on his name, then ladies and gentlemen, guess what he did? He created his own place. He created something that everybody after he was gone would go, see, see, I was impactful. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, this life is not about you. 
This life is not about me. Why do we need church? We need somebody to stand up and tell us, this isn't about you. This isn't about me. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you start building an Absalom place, and I would tell you, put your name in there. If I start building Bob's place, sounds like Bob the Builder, and uh, Bob's place. In fact, y'all, I got to confess something. I was put my tie in here, wherever Ed Metters is. This is the transparency, and so I'm adjusting my tie up here in the platform. There's still a security tag on the bottom of that tie. Y'all, I promise you I paid for it, and uh, so if somebody comes looking for me through the back of the doors, just, Zach, do you want to trade ties? And uh, But if I start building Bob's place, then I'll start contacting Kinko's or people online to order me signs to put all over. Signs like, how is this going to affect Bob? Is this going to make Bob look good? Will this embarrass Bob? How much time will it take for Bob? How much money is it going to cost Bob? How, where, where, where would I stand in line? How will this affect Bob? I don't, Bob doesn't want to be part of a group. Bob wants to be number one. I don't, Bob doesn't want to be like everyone else. Bob wants to do it his way. Bob's going to choose the opposite because to choose what everybody else says means that Bob would be a robot. You, you see, everything becomes about Bob when Bob is trying to build his legacy. You see, to be not forgotten means you have to come to grips with this, who is to be remembered. To say, I don't want to be forgotten, has lost focus on who needs to be remembered. You see, the grave will take care of your body. The grave will take care of your DNA, and it will be reduced to dust. The grave marker will be etched with time to where nobody can read the writing, and people probably will build a house on top of where you're buried. Isn't that exciting? But is your life about you, or is your life about the Lord? The question this morning is simple. Are you creating your place? Because once you create a Dale for you, once you create a statue for you, once you make this all about you, and it becomes your pew, and that becomes your parking spot, and that becomes your place in the choir, and that becomes your part in the group. How dare he sing my song? When life becomes about you, then it's not about the one who saved you. And this is a church of believers, not a church of bobs. We're getting ready to get new chairs. And I'm so excited about that. But I thought about putting the row and the seat number, but I thought to myself, the moment I put section 103, which is going to be right here in the center, row five, seat A, that I can just see somebody saying, that's my seat. I can see them start putting their name on the front of their Bible that they bought from church Bible publishers, 1-800, and, uh, and, and I can see them going, putting their name going, section 103, row 5, seat A, and then leaving that Bible right there. You say, Pastor, when we get the chairs, and, and can you tell I'm combating the narrative among the people? When, when, when we get those chairs and those chairs prop up, how? 
are we supposed to save our seat? Newsflash, your seat is in your car, your seat is at your house, the seat is at where, but in the house of God. You can tell if you're building your place by your reaction who takes your seat. And most church fights start with narcissistic Emmanuel members when they leave church because somebody was sitting in their seat. And to quote a famous evangelist pastor that's come through here, don't be carrying your feelings around with you. Michael Grant, you made it to the Sunday morning service. Hey, you see, it's not our life. It is his life. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to give you five things I'm going to put on the screen that you don't need to write down that I think we need to come to grips with that Absalom came to this point. So it's one thing to say, I don't want to get there. But how did he come to this self-absorbed, mirror-filled life to where it became all about him, and he died among the oaks? Listen to me. I don't want to die in limbo. I don't want to die, to live and to die in limbo. No, I want to live and I want to die with people saying that man loved Jesus Christ and he lived a Jesus Christ kind of life. This is why we're here. We're here to push you and I out of the chair of looking in mirrors and let's get out and let's live for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are five things that Absalom did and did not do that caused this self-absorbed life, that if you and I can do the opposite. You see, the Bible is very clear that this book is left. It's written for the ensamples. Everything that's in this book is written for an example for you and I to learn from so that we don't become. There are five things. Could I give them to you real quickly? And I'm going to put them on the screen. First of all, there was disagreement with no dialogue. There was disagreement with, it should say no, gentlemen. There's disagreement with no Dialogue. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 13. Take it off the screen and fix that thing for me. Can you do that? Or I'm going to take a marker and I'm going to crawl up there. And Okay. And uh, because after all, it's all about Bob and how it looks for his sermon. And uh, so I, I can read your wicked minds. And uh, Adam Freed, I heard you loud and clear. And uh, well, that was wrong, wasn't it? And uh, the only reason I know that, Adam, is because Bob Phillips just texted me. And uh, so Hey, Adam's thinking this. And uh, so look at 2 Samuel 13, verse 20. And Absalom, her brother, said unto her, Hath Amnon thy brother been with thee? But hold now thy peace, my sister. He is thy brother. Regard not this thing. So Tamar remained desolate in her brother Absalom's house. And Absalom spake unto his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister. Drop to verse 23. So I read verse 20 and verse 22. Look at verse 23, 2 Samuel 13. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shears in Belhazar, which is beside Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. Ladies and gentlemen, 
there was a disagreement how David had not, and, and, if you, and, if you, and if you look at this through the Chronicles and you look at this through other portions of Scripture here, you'll find out that David did not take care of this injustice. This was an injustice. But how did it come to where Absalom became narcissistic and life became so about him that he had to preserve his, 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 his legacy? It became about him when he did not respect his father, the king, enough to go in and say, Thank you very much. That's much better. I now can start the statue of Baba. And, uh, but, but, it, but it came when there was a disagreement, but there was no dialogue. You see, when you feel like, and I feel like, that I have to write injustices, that I do not have the power, but I play God in the background. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't want to become this way, and you don't want to become self-absorbed, then do not have disagreements with no dialogue. When you believe that people also see wrong the right way. When you and I believe this, this is why wives have those conversations with your husbands. Husbands, have those conversations with your wives. Members, have those conversations with pastor. Hey, staff, have those conversations with the boss. Do not become an Absalom that you are all about you at the workforce. It's not all about you on the job or your name would be on the sign. It is not all about you in this house or your name would be on the forefront out there. And people live with disagreements and they let it build 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 and they let it build. They let it build. Little did I know seven weeks ago when I knew this was the sermon I wanted to preach, how insightful this sermon would be on a Sunday morning. Listen to this. Do not let it build and do not let it build and do not let it build or you and I will mount our white steed and we will put our, our armor on and we'll feel like we must champion causes. The only cause that needs to be championed is the cause of right and wrong. And if it's come to your shore that you recognize it's a wrong, don't delay with discussion. And for whatever reason, Absalom was like, my daddy hadn't done nothing. Here my sister his, his granddaughter has been, excuse me, his relation has been violated and he hadn't done anything. So two full years disagreement without dialogue, then which kicks to this. Are you ready? They're all in secession. Here we go. Go to 2 Samuel 13, 23, deceitful plans. You say, how do you get to this point to where it's all about you and you start, you start walking around with this elite status? Let me tell you something. When you're too good to get down and dirty with the common people around us as common people, when there are believers that all of a sudden are positioned themselves with this air of superiority, I promise you it's because they view leadership has not done what it's needed to be done. And then I promise you after that, it's in keeping here with narcissism. Look at 2 Samuel 13, 23. And it came to pass after two full years that Absalom had sheep shearers and Baal Hazor which is beside Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold now, thy servant hath sheep shears. Let the king, I beseech thee, and his servants go with thy servant. Can I stop and tell you this? If he had access for a party of deceit, did he not have access to talk about Tamar? He had inroads. He had inroads. And ladies and gentlemen, the only reason you can't get into the doctor 
is because you ain't bugging the doctor. We need to stop this excuse that says, well, the only reason something can't be done is that's junk. Because Absalom could get into the king to say, king, I want to hold a party. Look what it says here, verse 25. And the king said to Absalom, nay, my son, let us not all go now, lest we be chargeable unto thee, verse 25. And he pressed him, howbeit he would not go, but blessed him. Then said Absalom, if not, I pray thee, let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said unto him, why should he go with thee? Y'all seen what's going on? Absalom, it's all about him. You see, it wasn't about Tamar who dwelt in his house for two years being done something wrong. That wasn't about her. It had nothing to do with her. It had everything to do with this. It's all about Absalom. So it's my house come rest at. And if the king doesn't, then all of a sudden these deceitful plans. What should have been a sheep shearing feast, which, yay. If you've got an invitation right now to a sheep shearing feast, party. Like, bring your own clippers. Bring your own sheep. Thank you. How's it going on that side? I love it. It's a sheep shearing party. So these deceitful plans. And then all of a sudden, we find out that you have to deceive. You, You have to create a narrative. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't live that way. Please don't live a life of secrecy. Please don't leave a life of con. Please don't live a life. And this is so well laid out in God's Word. There was disagreement with no dialogue. There was deceitful plans. Keep traveling down the chapter, if you will. Look at verse 37. But but Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amihud, king of Jeshur. And David mourned for his son every day. Look at this. Once it came to light exactly what had happened, so Absalom fled and went to Geshur and was there three years. And the soul of King David, look at this. And the soul of King David, what please? Longed to go forth unto Absalom. He, he longed. He longed. Would you look at the last phrase of this verse? This is very insightful. For the story of Amnon, for he was comforted concerning Amnon, seeing he was dead. The word comforter there means I've, I've put it to rest. He cared about what happened with Amnon and Tamar, but, but, but he had come to grips with it. When you and I go to build a life all about us, and it becomes all about us, there's, there's disagreement with no dialogue. There now becomes deceitful plans. It's a secession than a divided family, a divided family. David represents Jesus in the Old Testament as far as being Jesus' heart. Saul represented God's God's imagery of of this, this God that we can't get to. He's holy and he's just. David represented the heart. David said this, and it's only found repetitive on two subjects, one, Absalom, to Jerusalem. And it's said with the same pathos, David representing the heart of God, Jesus representing the incarnation of God, the incarnate God. David said this, O Absalom, O Absalom, would to God. 
David was not happy about this. Absalom had disrespected him. But but David's heart was, oh, Absalom, Absalom. And Jesus said this, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft. Let me tell you something. A divided family, when somebody becomes all about them, there is somebody behind the Absalom going, I I, I love you. I, I, I long for you. Please, I'm begging you, don't make life about you. And when life becomes about you, you're, you're, you're going to end up with nothing. Please, you're going to end up with nothing. And the very legacy we're trying to leave is not about us. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why we must stay on the vigilance. We must stay diligent to make sure that we're always getting problems taken care of. That we're not feigning our life and getting the king to give us. Let me tell you something. Many things have been done with the stamp of approval of authority in your life when he didn't know the, the plans and the real reason behind it. Let's get out of living a fake, feigned life that's a costume that we're just going to do what we want to do. When's the last time? Why don't we play life open and above hand? This is God's plan. But when we build Absalom's place, you have a divided family. You leave people longing for relationship when it's just not there. Look at, if you would, 2 Samuel 14. This is why he built Absalom's place. This is the kind of man Absalom was. Not only did he have disagreement without dialogue, deceitful plans in a divided family, but then he had destroyed friendships. Destroyed friendships. Look at 2 Samuel 14, 28. So Absalom dwelt two full years in Jerusalem and saw not the king's face. Therefore Absalom sent for Joab to have sent him to the king, but he would not come. When he said yet again the second time, he would not come. Are you there? 2 Samuel 14, 30. Therefore he said unto his servants, See, Joab's field is near mine, and he hath barley there. Go and set it on fire. Now I'm going to tell you right now, if you want my attention, text me, call me, leave a note. Do not come set my field on fire. Because after you burn down my field, listen, I'm going to wait for the opportunity that you're hanging among the oaks, and I'm going to get you back. Is that a threat? That's a promise. Hey, but before you look at me and go, how could you say that? Do you know how many people think that way? Do you know how many people wait? And you can tell if life has become all about you. Do you have more friends or you can't keep a friend? Are you burning bridges? Your friendship should be growing. It's easy to look at people who have a lot of friends and go, well, they're compromisers. That's why they have a lot of friends. No, no. Could it be that life is not about them? Life is about other people. And and ladies and gentlemen, I'm begging with you. Luke is true, 1733. If you're going to keep your life, you're going to lose it. But if you'll just lose your life for other people, there's something about living an honest, fact-filled life that you're doing the best you can that brings about just this, this. It just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. Please don't build an Absalom's place today. And the very last thing I want to give you is if you will, look at verse chapter 16, verse 20. Chapter 16 and verse number 20. Ahipothel now is his counselor. This is Absalom's counselor. Ahipothel was the counselor of David. 
Bathsheba is David's, is Ahithophel's granddaughter. David is now, he, he has done this awful thing with Bathsheba. Uriah dies, David marries Bathsheba. Then all of a sudden, we find out that Absalom comes along, his, David's third son. Absalom now rebels against David. Absalom now keeps Ahithophel as his counselor, and Ahithophel comes back and tells Absalom, and Ahithophel was using what we're getting ready to read as a way to get back at David. You did something immoral with my granddaughter, and look at the... That's where we pick up in verse number 20, 2 Samuel 16, 20. Then said Absalom to Ahithophel, Give counsel among you what we shall do. And Ahithophel said unto Absalom, Going unto thy father's concubines, which he has left to keep the house, and all Israel shall hear that thou art abhorred of thy father. Then shall the hands of all that are with thee be strong. So they spread Absalom a tent upon the top of the house, and Absalom went in unto his father's concubine in the sight, concubines in the sight of all Israel. The last thing that happens when life becomes about you is deviant behavior. Deviant behavior. Because here's why. You have to keep feeding the flesh. And I find it very interesting that the counselors that once were counselors with David the king now are counselors to Absalom, but that doesn't mean the counsel was of God. The counsel is not of God. Please, 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 please listen to your pastor. Life is not about you. It's not what you get. Do you know how many, you know how many parents position themselves, especially in professional sports, that their children will make all the money so they don't have to work? Because life is about them. Do you know how many stories we find of parents stealing children's Social Security numbers? Stealing children's credit? And then when the child goes to get something, they're unbeknownst to them, their parents have taken out all this money on credit, and now their credit score has nothing. That's why I praise God that, that when you're married, especially in the state of Texas, you, you can't make a financial move without them sending your wife an email that says, do you approve? Ain't nothing to do with my wife. I'm a mo man. Baby, can you sign that real quick? <laughs> because when it becomes all about you, then listen, get ready for the works of the flesh are manifested. And then there's a long list of bads. Has life become all about you? Do you have to be the starter? Do you have to have? Are you always requiring? Don't, don't make it all about you. Let's go back to Luke 17 and I'm done. Luke chapter 17. Just to let you know, on Sunday mornings, I'm trying to keep it within the hour. So that's why we kind of shorten some things. I have more preaching time than we do anything else. <clears throat> We're right on time, y'all. Luke 17, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall what, please? Lose it. 
And whosoever shall lose his life shall what? The moves that you and I are making right now, is it for self-preservation or Savior preservation? Every move we make, can I ask you a question? Is it about you or is it about the Lord Jesus Christ? But please know this. If it's about you and if it's about me, then get ready to be deceitful. Get ready to be divided. Get ready to have destroyed friendships. And get ready for deviant behavior. But all of that could be solved with one repentant knee bend to say, Lord, this is not who I need to be. This is not what I need to be. Please. When Jesus Christ came to this earth and he died on an old rugged cross for you and he died for me, he did not die for you and I to live in the flesh according to us. He died so that we could live in the flesh according to him. And he has not left you alive to preserve your legacy or to look good at the end of the journey. That's not why we're here. We're here so that when we see our Savior one day, he looks at us and he says this, well done. Well done, thou good and thou faithful servant. Please, let's make our life about the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen to the podcast of the sermons from Emmanuel Baptist Church of Longview. We trust that the sermons and God's word was a blessing to you and yours. Please visit us at ebclongview.com. If we can do anything for you, please let us know. Have a great day.